Welcome to an extra special bonus episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. As many listeners know, we've changed the name now from a Saigon podcast, spreading out across Vietnam. And our guest today is in Da Nang at the moment, where I'm actually going to be traveling to this week because we have the first 7 Million Bikes comedy show outside of Saigon. Um, this guest is going to be the host. She placed second in the Saigon heats of the comedy competition, so went all the way up to the final in um, Hanoi. Uh, she's a comedian, an MC, and also a holistic transformation coach who comes all the way from South Central Los Angeles. So I'm excited to speak to Jazzy Mars. How are you today? I'm magnificent. How are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. I'm excited to um, come up and perform with you this week in Da Nang. Yes, I can't wait. I'm excited as well. I saw you at the uh, the heats in Saigon, and uh, yeah, you were very, very funny. So I'm excited to uh, see you host and perform. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to see your work. I've seen some of your videos, um, and you do songs. I've never recorded them, but I love um, <laughs> remixing songs and for comedy relief. So yeah, I enjoyed those. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, you, I'll need to hear some of your songs then when we come up. So I'm coming up with Wanye West, who also does musical comedy, um, and he makes me laugh almost more than anyone, and a lot of people make me laugh here. Uh, we have we just had a show last night, and I was just saying to a couple of the comedians and a couple of friends as well, the, the, the quality of comedy in Saigon is is really high and i don't know i'm not saying that it's higher than hanoi or denang because I, I don't know i can't compare it but um, it's definitely higher than denang <laughs> they're some of the only well tell me about that so what's what's happening in denang with because you've got i've seen you've got like an improv group um and you've got some shows going on things like that so what's what's that like in denang as an expat and as a comedian yeah, as an expat, it's amazing. Um, it's very easy living. It's not as busy as the other cities. I really enjoy Danang because I like being by the beach and laid back living. But as far as the comedy scene, there's not too much. I'm one of few, um, at least stand up comedies um, comedians. We do have a improv group. Um, I'm not a part of that, but um yeah, we just, that's it. That's pretty much it. I, I do shows. I'll put together my own shows. And there's a few comics that are up and coming here, a local, and then one in Hoi An that I've worked with um, before. So yeah, we did a show in November for Thanksgiving weekend. But yeah, it's definitely not like every single night or, um, you know, several times a week, like in the larger cities, which is something that I miss because then I could get more practice. Even when I did the Saigon Heats, I had not um, practiced any of that material. I hadn't performed since January. So yeah, I definitely don't get as much practice um, as I would if I lived in Hanoi or Saigon. Wait, what? You hadn't practiced any of that material? No, no, it was new. <laughs> it was all new. Wow. Um, I, I did one the joke about, you know, China, my grandmother thinking I live in China. But other than that, yeah, it was all new material. Um, same with the other competition. When I went to Hanoi, I hadn't performed yet. Um, maybe one open mic or whatever. But yeah, we just don't. It's not as much comedy here. And um, yeah, I'm trying to change that. But it's it's just slow going here. I'm trying to encourage people to get up there. 
That's impressive, though. I mean, a lot of the comics here are all performing three, four times a week. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel if I go like a week or more without performing, I, I find like I've lost a bit of confidence. Like your confidence comes from the more you're, you're doing it. And so, and then, yeah, so to do that without like getting much rehearsal time or any practice is an impressive thing because you were hilarious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to start doing more open mics here and just get out there. But yeah, I just don't get as much practice as I would like uh, being in Da Nang. Mm. Well, hopefully this could be the start of um, some more 7 million bike shows up in Da Nang and we can uh, come up more regularly with, with some of the comics from down here. Which yeah, would be- that would be awesome. That would yeah. definitely be awesome here. So I have a question for you to start off in, in what you said to me in your in your introduction is, um, and I, I figure anyone listening might have the same question. You said you're a holistic transformation coach. What is that? Yeah, so that just means I help people transform their lives, whether it's their mind, body, or spirit. So, yeah, like people, I work with a lot of Americans who want to escape, you know, because we're a shithole country. And um, also people who want to change their diets or their mindset. You know, I've overcome a lot of different things. And before living abroad, I was on probation for five years. And so I just help people get out of their own way and um, change their lives no matter where they are. Um, A lot of people get stuck in the past. And, yeah, just help them take the leaps to change that. And whether it's moving abroad or just being a better person where they are, um, I help them with that kind of stuff. And how did you get into that? Yeah, through changing my own life before moving abroad. I um, spent five years on probation um, for a DUI. And so I quit drinking and just kind of learning how no matter what happened that um, I'm responsible for the decisions I make and there's consequences for that. And so whether you're eating bad and having consequences or making poor choices that you can change your life at any point. And I feel like going from jail and probation to living abroad freely and fully and doing the things I love is an ultimate transformation. And so a lot of people are inspired by that and are like, Hey, how'd you do that? And so, yeah, I just, um, consult people through different programs and, um, one-on-one coaching. That's amazing. Well, well done. That's so good to hear. Yeah. What, who has been your inspiration along that journey? Who's, who's helped you make that transformation? Um, I read a lot. You know, I like uh, Ayanna Van Zandt, who is like a life coach or something. Mainly she yells at people and tells them their truth. Um, But just, yeah, just seeing how every decision I make, there's a consequence. So just changing, slowly changing and seeing that has been my inspiration, Um, making different choices and having different results and being like, oh, wow, this shit does work. So, yeah, I think myself and Ayanna. Van Zan, I guess, really. And then my mom also. My mom is um, over 20 years of sobriety. And so watching her transform and change her life, um, suffering from addiction and things like that has been definitely eye-opening to know that we can change at any time. We don't have to stay stuck. Incredible. No, that's that's fantastic. Do you find it difficult then? So, uh, so I think you mentioned you're sober in a country where alcohol is so freely available and cheap. Mm-hmm. Is that a pro- is, does that make it more difficult? No, it doesn't. Because I'm like, okay, whether it's a dollar or free, like I just cannot drink like normal people. Um, and it is frustrating sometimes where I'm like, damn, a beer is much cheaper than a smoothie or a juice. However, like I pay for it in the long run, much more. 
for it. So yeah, it's okay. It's cool. Um, in the beginning, it was a little difficult being doing comedy completely sober because you know it's what we do. We'll take have a drink or whatever to loosen up or get the nerves off. But I just listen to music and breathe, and it gives me the same benefits. And I actually feel like I do better sober um, than drunk or under the influence with comedy because sometimes I'll just start rambling or tell things I don't really even mean to to tell people. So yeah, uh, and I'm like, oh shit, I did not mean, I'm glad you guys are laughing, but I did not mean to tell you all my business. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's not difficult. It gets easier each day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, generally I've, I've been a little bit bad lately, but generally I'll try not and have more than one drink, maybe two at most before a show. Just because, yeah, like you want to be more focused and switched on. But then, as soon as you're finished, you can uh, you can enjoy. That's why I yeah, often, I often <laughs> like to be on um, at the beginning of a bill because then I can get it out of the way and then I can sit back and enjoy the show and have a beer. Whereas if you're near the end, I, I, I'm sitting there nervous the whole time waiting and uh, yes. trying not to drink too much as well. Yes, yeah, and I'm usually kind of coming up last, and I'm like, oh my god, the entire time I'm so nervous. And I don't think a lot of people understand how nervous we get before shows or sets, um, because once you're up there, I know for me, it just kind of like goes away. But yeah, it's um, it's nerve wracking to sit there and know that you're about to perform and try to make people laugh, you know. So, yeah, I think people think it's much easier than it is. Definitely in the beginning, I remember like my first few times just sitting there listening. Not, I mean, I wasn't even paying attention to what the other comics were saying. I was just sitting there just terrified like i'm about to get up i'm about to do this i think i turned to my wife i'm like am i about to get up on stage this is insane what am i gonna do and just like the absolute terror but now it's not too bad i still get like i think i get more apprehensive than nervous because i'm just yeah people won't enjoy it or whatnot you know but um but yeah definitely gets easier over time i think so how long have you been doing comedy then um, it was just a year in September. Um, wow. Yeah, so I'm fairly, still fairly new. Mm-hmm. And what got you, what made you want to do that? Is it something you've been wanting to do for a long time? Yeah, I did. I um, I don't know if you're familiar with Snapchat, but when Snapchat first, you know, came to the scene, I was on Snapchat and I would just talk. You know, I really enjoyed Snapchat because it went away. No one could comment. You didn't know how people you know, what they thought about it. And so I would just get up there or get on there and just say random things. And a um, comedian in Houston, where I lived at the time, reached out to me and asked me to do a radio show with them. He's like, oh, you're funny. Do you want to do this um, co-host a show with us, a comedy radio show? It was an internet show. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. And they were stand-up comedians. And I was like, damn, I would love to do stand-up. I live down the street from this comedy showcase. I think it was comedy joint or something and they had like classes where you could go and perform in front of other comics and stuff and so I would go but I would always sit in the back and I never did it and um when I got to Vietnam I was like you know what I'm gonna try it like what's what do I have to uh, lose especially living like this already is kind of like I don't know these people we're already just trying out things anyway and so I did it in Thailand as an open mic I got some laughs and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And Keela Rose, I'm sure you're familiar with her. She was the winner of the uh, Vietnam 
competition and she gave me an opportunity. I went to one of her shows and I told her I would like to do stand up and she didn't ask me for a tape or anything. She booked me for three shows in three cities. We went to Hanoi, I mean, Hoi An, Da Nang and Fue. And um, yeah, it went well. And I was like, okay, I'm going to definitely do this. And she paid me to do it. And I was like, wow, if I can get paid to do comedy, you know, I'm set. So I just started from there, really. And what what have you got plans to um, grow more shows in Da Nang? Yeah, definitely. I my goal is to get a Netflix special, so I need to get up and get up on stage as much as possible. I'm going to start going to more open mics here and um, find other comics as well to do the shows. Um, and then, yeah, try if we can get a larger following to to book other comics, you know, from Saigon and Hanoi or different parts of Vietnam. That would be awesome as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. I hope to hope to see that happening and hopefully maybe be a part of it, making it happen. Yeah, well. definitely. That definitely. Cool. So I'm really We're looking def- forward to this weekend show. Yeah, it's going to be good. So anyone who's listening who's in Da Nang, tell them what's happening on uh, Friday the 22nd, right? Yeah. Yeah, Friday the 22nd, I'm at 8.30 at the workshop. You guys all know the workshop. We will be performing stand-up comedy. I'm the host. And also, Devin's not coming. So who's the other guy? What's his name? It's Wanye West. Oh, Wanye. Wanye West. Yeah, that's a boy. I thought you were trying to make fun of Kanye West earlier. Or that's his name. No, oh, no. Wanye West. That's his stage name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, it, it took me a couple of weeks after I'd first met him and first performed with him and putting him on shows. And he's like, You've spelled my name wrong on the on the thing. And I was like, and I kept staring at it. And I was like, it's right. It says Wayne, which is his, his real name. I was like, it says Wayne. And he's like, this was like in a message. And he's like, no, but it's one year. And I kept, I just couldn't see the difference. And then eventually I was like, oh, because it's just the Y and the N now. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so no, he's a he's another musical comedian that um I saw him do, he's got a song that I, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's going to do on Friday about Bun Me. And I saw him perform that at an open mic night. And um, I just, uh, I love musical comedy because, you know, you know, Flight of the Concord, right? Yeah, yeah. They're obviously like up there with the, they're probably one of the most well-known acts. And, and I've just enjoyed it in general. And so I went up to him afterwards and I said, hey, have you got any more songs? Because um, I, I do shows and it would be great to have you on. And he's like, uh, I think I've got one more I'm working on. I could, I could do three songs. And I was like, all right, cool. And then got him on a show. Um, and then after that, he, he performs regularly. Um, and he's just he's funny, funny guy. So I, I'm excited that he's coming up with me as well. We're going we're gonna to have a fun weekend. Yeah, it sounds like a ball. Okay, so Wanye West and I and Neil will all be performing at the workshop on Friday, the 22nd. Doors open at 8.30. And tickets are only 150 k at the door. So, yeah, come on out and see some fun comedy, laugh, and, yeah, eat popcorn and stuff. Oh, you guys have popcorn? All right, I'm excited. Yes, more. I love the workshop's popcorn because they don't put sugar on it. It's amazing. It's probably the only place in Vietnam where you can get regular Uh, Nice, nice. So tell me, how did you end up in Da Nang? Yeah, I lived in Chiang Mai before here. And, you know, if you're familiar with Chiang Mai, they have burning season where the crops, they burn all the crops 
in the north and the air quality gets really bad and I'm all about my health. So I was like, I'm going to leave and go to Da Nang for three months during burning season and come back. And I absolutely fell in love with it. It was right by the, the beach. At a CV apartment, um, someone told me, like, anything you want to do here, you can. And so I was like, damn, I would love to start an open mic so I can get into comedy. And, um, yeah, I just loved it. And I was like, wow, the visa situation was much easier, and I just wanted to come. So I just came and stayed, and, um, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, but I was supposed to stay for three months. And before Thailand, I lived in Bali. And before Bali, I was in um, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Wow, so you've been all over. Where's your favorite place? I, You know, people ask me that all the time, and I'm like, you know, the everywhere I am is my favorite at the time. Mm. I don't want to ever long for anything else. Um, I try to stay in the present moment and really take advantage of what I love about the place that I'm at. So, yeah, every place has been absolutely amazing. I've done great things in every city that I lived in, and I know that it's because I'm like, okay, I'm here now. Um, what can I do here? So yeah, right now it's Vietnam, but when I was in Thailand, it was Thailand. <laughs> no, I, I completely relate to that because um, I've lived, so I lived in America for about four years and I just loved it. Like I wanted to yeah. live there forever. It was like, I just, it was the best, but I'd only ever lived in Scotland. And then I went from America to Australia and then I loved that even more. And I was like, I can't believe I wanted to live in America. Australia is the best place in the world. This is unbelievable. Then I ended up going to New Zealand and um, lived in oh. New Zealand for like four years. And then I get by this time, I was like, why did I want to live in Australia? New Zealand's the best country in the world and I love it. And now I'm in Vietnam. I've been here for four years, but this is the only place where I, I do miss New Zealand. So I would go back to New Zealand and I think eventually that's where we would settle down. So even though I love Vietnam, obviously I've been here for four and a half years. Uh, it's just an amazing place. I don't. And I don't know if it's the language barrier or, or whatnot. I've never felt probably truly, truly at home here, even though I love it so much. But I think I think a lot of expats kind of feel similar as well. Like if, yeah. I've not met any expats where you say, uh, are you going to be here forever? I've never met an expat that is like, yeah, uh, I'll be oh, here. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, this isn't yeah. a forever home for me. I don't know if there is one, but yeah, I just, I like Vietnam a lot. The language barrier is is something that's very difficult for me. I've tried and they're like, you sound like a baby. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm trying to speak Vietnamese. Um, it's just, yeah, that that part of it is is really difficult. Mm, makes it challenging, right? So did, was yeah. that your plan when you left America? You were like, I'm going to travel around Southeast Asia? It was just a world, you know, when we start, I started in Mexico and then I wanted to go to Bali and um, Thailand was always high on my list. But um, yeah, I also wanted to live in uh, Tanzania and Africa and I want to go to Rwanda. So there's really like, I'm just open, you know, well, the world isn't open right now, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like kind of open to it, you know, wherever the wind will blow me. I just want to stay open to different opportunities. Um, and go from there. But yeah, there's probably not a place that I'm like totally like, oh no, I would never go there. Probably except for America. I'm not interested in going there. <laughs> not going back to your home country. I feel like that's uh, when it comes to America, that's a common, common 
theme right now, right? For people who live abroad. Yeah, and then when you're there, you're thinking you're so proud. You know, we're supposed to be such proud Americans, but it's really embarrassing. Like, people ask me where I'm from, and I'm like, uh, Jamaica, I don't know, Canada, anywhere but there. Well, it's, um, Americans are often the ire of a lot of my jokes because I've lived there, so I have some funny stories. My wife's American, um, and I do love it, and I do love American people, but it's, uh, it's quite easy to make fun of, <laughs> for one. Yeah, definitely. We make fun of ourselves, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've been telling this joke on stage, which isn't a joke. Like, um, there was a show a few weeks ago, and I was saying, who's from America and whatnot? And a a woman put her hand up, and I said, oh, where are you from in America? And she went, "Uh, Canada. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like, um, again, I make a joke as well. Americans used to be the loudest people in the room, and and over the last four years, they've gotten uh, quieter and quieter and quieter. Yes, 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 yes. Almost a shame. It's a shame. It is, um, obviously, having an American wife, lots of American friends, it's really different. Um, I think you could explain more. Do you not think that Americans who have left the country, they really go through this, like, um, transition or whatever growth? The the way I see it is, because I've lived in America, and Americans are brought up to believe that America is the center of the universe. And it's, it's... But then... As soon as Americans leave, they're like, oh, we're not. Right, exactly. Yeah, you think it's like, oh, you think the world revolves around you. And yeah, we do. And then you get out and you're like, oh, mom was right. The world doesn't revolve around us. (laughs) Although everyone does follow up with our culture, where it's like a lot of times when something's happening, people want to talk to me about it. And I'm like, I'm good. Um, I don't know what's going on. And scotland or anything but you know our our news spreads but other than that it's mainly because it's such it's so crazy that people are just laughing at us and we think that it's because we're so important and so mighty and yeah we're just the laughing stock of the world especially now yeah and hopefully things will change it's been a frustrating it's been more than four years because i'm not even want to say his name but he started running for a presidency like what two a year two years before he, he won it so it's just been a yeah. a long six years but um hopefully things will go back to normal in more ways than one in uh, 2021 so tell me then what are your plans for 2021 keep doing comedy um and just not catch covid really is the thing 2021 stay present and um yeah continue to build my business I would say I would be going here, there, and there, but like we don't know <laughs> how that's going to turn out. For 2020, I had a I had written down that I wanted to do 20 shows in 20 cities, and I think I got to six or seven in February, and then it everything shut down. So that was my goal, and now that sounds crazy to even have travel plans now. So yeah, it's just to not catch COVID, I guess, and continue to do as much comedy as I can. Yeah, nice. Well, we're in a country where there's basically no COVID. It's incredible. Like it just, uh, we've been talking about it. I've been talking about it on stage this week, and I was a friend mentioned last week, like living in Vietnam is literally like winning the lottery at the moment. Yeah, it's like heaven. I really am like, wow, is this? What did I do? Maybe it was this. My those last few years when I really started to get my life together and, you know, open doors for old people and help them across the street or something. Because this is definitely heaven. I mean, with big ass rats, but it feels like we're in the chosen place being here. It's like, how are we here? Like, you could be anywhere in the world 
and to be in Vietnam right now where there's no COVID and where it was taken so seriously and where we're able to move around freely mm-hmm. is amazing. It really does make you feel like, wow, you know, this is, yeah, the lottery or heaven or the chosen place or whatever it is. Cause yeah, it's something. It's really, really mind blowing. And for anyone who is listening, who is from overseas, um, don't think that we're being arrogant or flippant about that because we see the news from overseas and it, we know it's devastating. I mean, I'm sure you speak to your family. I speak to my family in America and in the UK and in Australia. And um, like, it's terrible what everyone's having to go through right now. Harsh lockdowns in the UK. It's like I'm talking to friends and they're just like, I can't believe you're doing shows right now. Like we can't even leave the house. So uh, yeah, we're not being flippant about that. Like we literally, and I'm sure you feel the same, just feel so, so lucky to be here and in a place where the government just clamped down on it, sorted it out immediately. And now we are literally one of probably the few places on earth that's really safe when it, in terms of when it comes to the disease. But on the flip side of that, we might be one of the last places to get the vaccine. So maybe in a year's time when the rest of the world has already received their vaccine and we're still waiting for it, then we might be... Um, suffering more at that point if we're still not able to travel because we've not had the vaccine. So we'll see how that plays out over the next year or so. I know that they are developing a vaccine here, but I don't know exactly. I don't think there's any plans for any mass vaccinations here for at least maybe a year or so. I'm not sure. Do you know anything about that? No, and anything, honestly, if it's made here, I'm a little... Uh, I don't know if I want it. Um, the quality of stuff in Vietnam, if it's anything like the T-shirts and the clothing, I'm like, oh. Um, so, yeah, I don't know much about the vaccine. But and also to add to what you were saying, we did have really strict lockdowns as well here as to where I was remembering, especially in Da Nang. Yeah, that's um, right. Where everybody else about was able to move, yeah, freely. And my friends were all out and they're around the world and we could not even get delivery grab food or anything so um yeah like that was four months we did about four months in 2020 on lockdown so it's definitely um we know the the seriousness of it but it's also kind of like a reward now and yeah i try not to take it for granted because at any time you know if two people cough out here you know they're like hey stay inside again Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know much about about the vaccine and how it's going to happen here people ask online, it becomes this whole debate about, you know, not when it's coming, but what's in it and all of that other stuff. So, yeah, I just try to, like, stay present with it because I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. But that was totally remiss of me because I actually being in Saigon. So I forgot about that. So, for again, listeners who are overseas and about half of our listeners are actually overseas. Um in Saigon, we had the lockdown back in March, and then we've been pretty much COVID-free since then, a couple of small outbreaks. But do you want to explain to people what happened up in Da Nang back in August, right? Yeah, it was sometime, yeah, maybe August. September. No, it must have been July. July right yeah, now. right after, yeah, in July. So I remember going to brunch, and then the next week, it was lockdown again. Yeah, something happened where there was a few more cases, and they were saying that it was illegal Chinese came in or something allegedly. Um, and yeah, we had to, we had a few cases here and they locked us down and we were on lockdown for two months and it was stricter than the first one. So we could not order any, get food delivered. All of the restaurants were closed. You could not call a car to come and get you. You could only ride a bike. 
Um, you could not leave the house for anything but food, for groceries or the pharmacy. We could not gather in groups. We couldn't go to our friend's house. Like I am an apartment building and no one was allowed inside. I did not live here. The pool was closed. It was, yeah, it was really serious. And after the, about the second week, I was really over it. Like, okay, like, but now I see that it was well worth it. And it pays to just sit down when something like that happens, you know, because now life is back to normal and we can eat on the beach and stuff. Although rainy season came right after <laughs> we got off of lockdown. It was like, gosh, but there was no more COVID. So yeah, it was really strict and, and, and almost a headache, but you do see what's necessary when it comes to this virus. Yeah. Cause we didn't even have that strict a lockdown in Saigon ever. There was, a lockdown. No, I don't even think it was really you would call it a lockdown because you were still free to go, but it was just really advised not to go out really. So loads of people were working from home, but some people could still work. Restaurants were still open, but not for sit down. That was the biggest thing was like basically the restaurants and bars were closed, but they could all still deliver. Yeah. Uh, but I know the one in Da Nang and, and Hoi An as well, right, was, was really, really strict. But again, yeah, you couldn't even go to Hoi An. We could not even leave. Like I was trying to go up, uh, ride up the mountain with a friend and we could not even, it was blocked off. So even if you were in Da Nang, you could not get to Hoi An. If you were in Hoi An, you could not come to Da Nang. And they're like 40 minutes outside of each other. It was just barricades, uh, no flights. Yeah, it was very strict. And now I'm coming to Da Nang, which actually I've just realized this will be my first time on a flight since I got back into Vietnam on March 20th, which I think will be actually really unnerving. I'm, now I've just realized I'm really nervous. Now I've just thought about this because, um, well, just because it's not flown in so long and it, it does seem so treacherous these days, even though we know there's no COVID here. Um, now I'm getting sweaty palms just thinking about it. You'll be fine. I've flown. <laughs> I've gone to um, Saigon, Hanoi, and I mean Hanoi, and also uh, Fuqua. I'm saying that wrong, but the island. Yeah, yeah, and it's just wear a mask is all. It was the same. It wasn't a lot of people. Um, yeah, it it yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Like no temperature check, no long lines. Just you have to wear a mask when you walk into the airport. So don't forget that. All right, all right. All right, well, don't worry. I'm not going to cancel. I'm definitely coming. I'm definitely coming on Friday. <laughs> and we'll meet one year and then hang out in oh. Da Nang for a couple of nights. So you've got to show us around and um, show, us, show us the Da Nang nightlife. Because I've, I've been to Da Nang before, but um, not just to go to the beach. Never really hung out much or anything like that. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, definitely take you guys around. Our nightlife is definitely not like the big cities. But, you know, we have a few gyms and things. So, yeah, we'll have a good time. So let's finish up. I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask all the guests at the end of the interview. Um, so as you know, Vietnam has that, an amazing amount of motorbikes, actually 45 million registered motorbikes in Vietnam for a population of 90 million, making it one of the highest ratios in the world for bikes to people. Um, and I don't know what it's like driving in Da Nang. I have driven a bike in Da Nang and it, it was much more pleasant than driving in Saigon but I'm sure it can still be a bit crazy. So what's an unwritten road rule that you couldn't live without? Oh, definitely keep it cute and call a grab. I don't drive um, and that there's no rules. So the, I guess the two written unwritten rules are one, there are no rules. So stay alert and two, call a grab because I don't <laughs> drive here at all. Um, 
Yeah, I just call a chauffeur for a dollar. I think it's sometimes well, more often than not scarier being on the back of a Grab. I drive myself, but so I've got more confidence in my own driving than uh, someone else's more, more, more times than not. Yeah, my driving's so bad that, yeah, anyone could drive me and I feel like they have my life in their hands better. But I do want to learn. There's a guy across from me who said he would teach me he's a motor, like has a motorbike shop. And it's not, it's very slow here. So it is a good place to learn. And I can just kind of go, maybe not the roundabouts and things on the city side, but I definitely want to learn before I leave. I'm just scared. You should do it. Do it. Do it. Right. Yeah. Um, I ask this of all expats that, that I interview, do you speak Vietnamese? Xin chào. I say hello and thank you in M de Plum when I want to impress the women here, like, oh, you're very beautiful. <laughs> and then I realize I'm not even supposed to say that to older women. It's only younger women. And I'm like, what the hell? So, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult. So, what is your most useful Vietnamese phrase? Then is that it? Yeah, Mbiplam. Yeah. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, that works. Um, and then tell me, what's your favorite sunset spot in Vietnam? I love Da Nang sunsets, and also uh, the island Phuoc. I know I'm not saying it right, but no, yeah, I think yeah. you're pretty close. Phuoc, I think. Yeah, yeah, they say it different. Yeah, that I the, I just went there and the sunsets were amazing there as well. Very beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful and for what I haven't been there recently, so plan a trip back there soon. Um and then would you rather live in Vietnam now, because obviously with all the mod cons that we enjoy, or twenty years ago when it would have been much sleepier and quieter and um no international food, less coffee, things like that. Which would you prefer? Um that's a good question. I was thinking about that, and I can see the perks of both. But uh, maybe I love Vietnam so much because of the internet. I'm not sure, and coffee. So I'll just go with now. You know, I but I would like to travel back here 20 years ago and just kind of experience it. But I don't know if I would like it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I mean, I think I'm pretty similar. I. I don't. I would love to go back and see what it what it was like, and it's really enjoyable to see pictures of old Vietnam and um, hear about it. So yeah, but I I relate to what you said. And then my last question for you: What's missing from Vietnam? COVID. Thank God. Yeah, um, yeah COVID is missing. I do, and that's amazing. But. Um, and there's really nothing that I'm like always or ever learn learn longing for here, except for like skincare products. And I started making my own because there's so much bleach and things here. But yeah, I've never been like, oh damn, this is something I definitely need that's not here. So yeah, I mean, and I adapt pretty well. But yeah, there, I mean, they're not. It, it has everything that I need. Awesome. Well, tell uh, our listeners where can they follow you, find you, support your work. What's next for you? Tell us all about your plans and projects and how people can support you. Sure. So I have a website, blackdigitalnomad.com. Also on Instagram at blackdigitalnomad.com. If you want to buy me coffee, you can send me money on Cash App. Just kidding. <laughs> money sign, Black Digital Nomad. But no, I am um, going to continue to do comedy here. 
I have interviews that I've done um, with like Jenny Mai and things like that. That's on my website and I do classes um, and I'll be hosting some events for Black History Month here in Da Nang, maybe in Hanoi as well for February. And that'll be a comedy show, talent show, movie night and pub quiz and things like that. But yeah, I'm all around on the online. Everywhere is Black Digital Mac. And I also make whipped body butter called Glow Up. So if anybody is ashy in Asia and they're looking for all natural skincare products, I make body butter and body scrubs as well. And you can find that at Black Digital Mac backslash Glow Up. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. Check them out. Um, thank you so much. It's been awesome to talk to you. And uh, I will yeah. meet you in person you. on a um, right day. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.